before the human video game arrived in college football. Before that mesmerizing talent led to all those unforgettable highlights. Even before the arrest and Bobby Bowden praying for a misdemeanor, there was the Clemson game on September 20, 1997. The moment the college football world was introduced to the sheer majesty that was Peter Warwick. The moment it was clear Florida State, with its rich history of elite skilled players under Bowden, had never produced anything like this. I don't know why anyone would turn away when he's on the field, Clemson coach Tommy West would later say. Deep into the fourth quarter, and after Warwick had shown a national television audience how unique speed and athleticism translates to 372 all-purpose yards, Clemson and West apparently hadn't seen enough. With less than two minutes to play and trailing by seven, Clemson saw FSU setting up an onside kick protect. There were 10 players within the first 15 yards and more than half a field until the 11th, Peter Warwick standing at the five. Clemson kicked it to Warwick anyway. The ball traveled five yards into the end zone where Warwick caught it and begrudgingly took a knee. Brad Nessler, calling the game for ABC, demurred that Warwick would have liked to have taken the ball out. Color commentator Bob Greasy then quickly shot back, yelling with a combination of awe and disappointment, I wanted to watch him. This, ladies and gentlemen, was life at FSU when number nine was on the field. You simply couldn't turn away. From Saturday Down South, in association with Texas Pete Hot Sauce, I'm Matt Hayes, and this is Saturday Lives Forever, a college football podcast reliving the greatest players and moments of the sport's rich history. January 1999, and Peter Wark is staring at a first-round grade from the NFL Draft Advisory Board. The boy from Bradenton, Florida, has come a long way, but there's still one lasting, nagging void. None of his four seasons at FSU have ended like he envisioned. He redshirted his first season in Tallahassee in 1995. He and his roommate, another receiver by the name of Randy Moss, watching FSU games and unable to help a team that was an offensive skill player or two away from winning the national championship. He played a small role in the 1996 team that was forced to play rival Florida a second time in the national championship game after beating the Gators in the regular season final. FSU lost by 32 points. By the end of 1997, and weeks after his breakout game against Clemson, Warwick had become an important part of an unbeaten FSU team that only needed to beat Florida to play for the national title and lost as a double-digit favorite. A year later, in 1998, the Knowles found a way to the national title game, but an injury to starting quarterback Chris Wanky left them shorthanded, and they lost to Tennessee. Three seasons, three years of crushing national championship disappointment. Maybe the right move was returning to FSU and taking one more shot at it. Wanky, one of his close friends on the team and a failed professional baseball player before signing with FSU, as a 25-year-old, constantly preached about the value of the college experience over the pro business. When Warwick announced he would return to Florida State, he did so by proclaiming after three years of heartbreak, he wanted to win a national title for Bowden and the Seminoles. The NFL money could wait. <laughs> 
at least he nailed one of those two statements because the money, in the end, couldn't wait. It's October 7, 1999, and Warwick is five weeks into a season for the ages. The most electrifying player in the country is putting on a show week after week, overwhelming defenses that can't figure out a way to stop he and the FSU offense. It's not even halfway through the season, and Warwick has 36 catches for 508 yards and four touchdowns, despite sitting out much of the second half of blowout games. The Knowles already are penciled in for the national title game. No one is touching this team. And then it happened. Warwick and teammate Lavernius Coles went to Dillard's department store and shopped for clothes. They went through the checkout line and paid significantly less than retail price. When they were caught by police hours later, they had paid $21.40 for $412.38 worth of clothing. Warwick would pay heavily for a measly $390.98 discount. He was suspended indefinitely by FSU, which had recently passed a zero-tolerance mandate for student-athletes who are charged with felonies. Any student-athlete with a felony charge on their record cannot play sports at FSU. Warwick and Coles were initially charged with felony burglary, but the state attorney had to decide how to prosecute. It was then that Bowden, when asked about Warwick's arrest, uttered the phrase heard round the sports world, proclaiming he was, quote, praying for a misdemeanor. Wouldn't you know it, the state attorney reduced the charge to misdemeanor petty theft, and Warwick's punishment was a two-game suspension and the invaluable loss of the Heisman Trophy. Warwick's competition for the award was bruising Wisconsin tailback Ron Dane. Both Warwick and Dane stayed for their senior seasons, but Dane, despite more than 7,000 career rushing yards, didn't have the allure and attraction of Warwick. Not only was Warwick can't-miss TV at FSU, he got significantly better with each season. He caught 53 passes for 8 touchdowns and a 16.6 yards per catch average as a sophomore. A year later, he earned All-American honors with 61 catches for 12 touchdowns and a 20.2 yards per catch average and was set up for a monster season with a loaded FSU team. Five games in, what seemed like a Heisman coronation ended in desperation with Bowden praying for the misdemeanor. It's January 3, 2000. The millennia has arrived and Florida State is staying in its team hotel just off Bourbon Street on the night before the national championship game with Virginia Tech. The world is aglow with what seems like a week-long millennia celebration, but Bowden is pacing the makeshift meeting room in the ballroom of the hotel. He can't get the image of Hokies quarterback Michael Vick out of his head. If anyone were like Pete, Bowden thought, if anyone had that dynamic ability and could scare the devil from you every time he touched the ball, it was Vick. And he played the most important position on the field, where he touched the ball every single offensive play. Bowden pulled Warwick to the side of a meeting room and wrapped his arm around the shoulder of his 5'11", 190-pound rock of electricity. He pulled his bifocals to the end of his nose and peered over the top of them. Pete, Bowden said, I'm worried about number seven. Every time Vic makes a big play, you have to counter it with a big play. Warwick smiled and told Bowden not to worry and began to walk away. Bowden grabbed Warwick's arm and this time with more certainty said, Pete, every time. Three years earlier, Warwick arrived on the big stage of college football with an 80-yard punt return against Clemson, 
one of a handful of big plays and a remarkable performance of 372 all-purpose yards. It was the first time the college football world truly grasped the enormity of Warwick's 37-inch vertical, 4.440 speed, and greasy slick moves. He caught a 48-yard deep ball against Clemson, high-pointing the ball like climbing a ladder. He went 80 yards on a simple out-and-up, outrunning two defenders who had the angle on him, but stared in shock as Work ran away from them. Now here he was in the biggest game of his career in the Louisiana Superdome against the one player that might be just as electrifying. Why not finish it how it all began three years earlier against Clemson? The two games were eerily similar. By the end of the Sugar Bowl, Work was named MVP of the game and had 220 all-purpose yards on eight touches for a remarkable 27.5 yards per touch. He caught a 64-yard touchdown catch on a double move, just like he did against Clemson. He had a 59-yard punt return for a touchdown, where he scored untouched, just like he did against Clemson. He caught a 43-yard acrobatic touchdown pass, where he twice tipped the ball to himself before securing it in the end zone, just like he climbed the ladder acrobatically against Clemson. After the game, while Bowden and Work sat at the post-game press conference, Bowden put his arm around Work again and said, You could coach a long time and not have one like Pete. Work finished his career as a two-time All-American and set a then-ACC record for career receiving yards with 3,517. He still holds the FSU record for career touchdowns with 31. In four years at FSU, Work had 4,862 all-purpose yards on 331 touches, averaging 14.7 yards every time he touched the ball. He also threw two touchdown passes. Three years ago, FSU announced on social media that it was retiring Work's number nine jersey. LeBron James saw the announcement from the Florida State football Twitter account, retweeted it, and wrote, The reason I wore number nine at wideout in high school. Congrats, Peter Work. All these years later, you still can't turn away from work, no matter who you are. Okay, listen, speaking of legendary players, let's talk about legendary flavors. I'm making chili the other night, and I'm thinking, you know what? I want to make this thing unique. So I throw in some Texas Pete sautéed garlic flavor hot sauce, and oh boy, that chili was phenomenal. Look. Texas Pete Hot Sauce has all the sauces and seasonings you need to make your food the real MVP. Try some Texas Pete Original Hot Sauce, Dust Dry Seasoning, Buffalo Wing Sauce, Green Pepper Sauce, all those luscious barbecue sauces, and so much more. Game Day Grub or Any Day Grub deserves some Texas Pete. Visit TexasPete.com for recipes, hot apparel like Texas Pete shirts and hats, and take 20% off. That's right. 20% 20% off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South. Down, set, sauce like you mean it. It's a pleasure to welcome in former FSU fullback and current multimedia superstar personality in Jacksonville, Florida, James Coleman. James, welcome to Saturday Lives Forever. Thanks so much for joining us. I man, appreciate you having me. James, you're a close friend of Peter Work, and you arrived at FSU about three years after his last season uh, in 99. You played ball, high school ball at Florida High in Tallahassee, so you grew up watching all those great Knowles, Ward and Wanky and Dunn and Marvin Jones and Derek Alexander, all those guys, man. So many elite players. 
where does Peter fit in with those guys? You think is he among the best or is he even the best? Um, I'd say he's among and, and, and a strong argument for the best. It's very tough when you got guys like Charlie Ward <laughs> um, there as well. But just the excitement um, in that city during that time when they went wire to wire in '99, and those being my 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 time coming into football um, under the shadow of Dope and also across the street at FAMU, um, to be able to be considered the best player in the nation during that time, uh, it's just remarkable what he was able to do. Just what you know, what always strikes me too, James is, you know, I talk about all those elite players and there were so many great players. Bobby had that thing rolling so good. And it was almost like when Pete got there and that Clemson game in his sophomore year, and you were kind of like, all right, wait a second. This is different because they, they, they had good receivers, James, they had great tailbacks. They had great quarterbacks, but never really like a receiver that made you hold your breath. And and I always remember him as a guy. I remember the first time I saw him, even before the Clemson game, man, it was different. It was absolutely different when he caught the ball. He was electric. Yeah, it felt like every time he touched the ball, whether it be punt returns, whether it be um, um, receiving, whether it be reverse, it was just a chance to go to the house. And, and we – it's kind of like you know when you see that player. There's only been so many guys since 99 or since that time that kind of give you the same vibe. That lets you know how elite he was. Um, you know, obviously like a Reggie Bush who played when I played. Um, you know, there's been a few others, but it's really nobody notable like Pete. Um, I, I think back to one time growing up, I used to watch the Bobby Biden calling show religiously, um, even when right. I was in college and I played for him. <laughs> but it's still funny. <laughs> You would see him talk about plays, and it was—I believe it was the return against Louisiana Tech, where Bobby was like, "Oh, he—he he ran it just the way I taught him." That that's what we—I caught over to the sideline. I said, "I want you to catch it. Uh, I, said, I want you to get this reverse. We're going to run all the way to the left. Then I want you to juke this guy, spin move here, juke this guy, run all the way back to the right, come back to the left, and then I want you to run up the field." It was something like that, but it was just—even <laughs> Bobby had who's who's seen a lot couldn't really fathom how great that was, um, great a player he was then. Yeah, I, I think, that, honestly, James, I think the further we get away from it, the fur- you start to really realize, I mean, everybody always asks me, I've been doing this a long time, man. I've been covering college football since the early 90s. And people always ask me, who's the best player you've ever seen? And I talk about the greatest one game I've ever seen by Vince Young or the greatest season, um, you know, by Cam Newton. But, man, as far as pure players where you're like, oh, my God, i got to watch this guy play. You know, all you got to do, and I, I'll tell everybody out there this, and I say this to people all the time, go on YouTube and just type in Peter Warwick highlights. And what he did back then would still dominate right now how it is now. He was just this unique type of combination of speed and juke, and and he was a guy that knew he was good, right, James? And he was a guy that knew he was good and knew he was better than you. Yeah, it's just it's just a certain way you walk. Even now, it's not. And Pete's a very, very confident and humble guy as a friend when you're hanging out with. But like you know, he's Peter. He he knows he's Peter Ward. You know he's (laughs) Peter Ward. It's just he walks in a room and even young people who don't really know of that era know that there's something to him. There's something magnetic, and that translated to the football field as well. Um. You know, you just talked about, you know, just seeing, again, how, how great his hands were. Uh, my son, who's getting into football, 
like was looking on on Twitter and somebody said Peter Warwick's the best. And he was like, Dad, have you ever heard of this guy, Peter Warwick? And I'm like, Yeah, I talk to him. And I put him on the phone and he go and he looks at his highlights film and he's watching it while we're going to a football game. And he can't believe that somebody was doing the things that he did. He saw the catch in the national championship against Virginia Tech in the back of the end zone with a DB draped over him. To be able yeah. to make it falling down, to be able to make that catch. Like in today's game, most guys would just let that drop, and, and it's understandable. But with him and even that wide receiver room with the, with the Ron Dugans, with the Lavernius Coles for a time, with the Snoop Menace, um, young guys like A. Truce Bell at the time, young guys like Anquan Bolden, you just think about who came through there and who the example was and why you had a period where you just had some guys get drafted pretty high because of the competition that was in that room. Yeah, Randy Moss, by the way, his his first roommate at Florida State when he was redshirting. They redshirted together. How about that? How about those two guys redshirting, huh? That's not bad. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> hey, listen, when you were a kid growing up, did you and your friends, did you guys dream about being Peter Warwick? Was, that, was he that kind of, like, hero for you when you were growing up? Yeah. I, um, I got a chance to, because my high school was on Florida State's campus. So right. I would go up on Wednesdays. And in the student union, skipping, like I, doing what I shouldn't do, and wanted to be like th- those guys, wanted to be like Pete, because Pete was the man. He was just like, again, Pete walks into a crowd, the crowd spaces, and it's not in like an intimidating way, it's just like he was the cool kid in the cafeteria amongst the other cool kids. And it was just the charisma, the swagger, um, the, the, the gold necklace, the, the, the way he came, the way he walked out on the intro, when you heard his name on the Jumbotron, Pete was that guy, man. Still is that guy. I'm telling you, James, unique dudes like that, like when they smile, you know like they're unique. Like Reggie Bush, like Peter Work. It's that smile. You know, I know it sounds hokey, but it's really true. You can see like the innerness of them. They know they're good. They know they're better than you. It's I, I just think it's just really, really cool. Um, did you guys have you guys ever talked about the whole Dillard's incident? Do you do you think do you think he regrets the fact that he probably should have won the Heisman and because of that he didn't? You know, we don't, but, you know, I think – I would say he, I would say regret is maybe a strong word because he knows. Right. I'll put it like this. There's a debate that goes on on Twitter because SEC can't let the ACC have anything where <laughs> people feel like they need to put Percy Harvin over that. And don't get me wrong, Percy Harvin, phenomenal athlete just not better. And, and I was like, you know what? And I called him. I was like, hey, Pete, what do you think about this? Um, you know, people saying about Percy Harvin, he just laughed. He has his laugh, and he was just like, come on, man. Even Percy know. It's <laughs> 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 just like, you know, it, it's like, what do I need to prove myself? Everybody does the talking for you. Every now and then, randomly, Chad Johnson, who's one of the better wide receivers um, during his time in his own right, will post. Peter Warks the best college receiver I've ever seen. You'll see rivals say the same thing. You'll see a whole bunch of people say. So, like, yeah, it would have been great to host that um, Heisman Trophy, but every – like, as, growing up in the inner city, we always – it's a joke, like, the streets know. And sometimes that's right. the best thing. The streets know who Peter Wark is, and they know who was really the best player in college football. But um, I'll say he'll, 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 he would probably just chalk it up to – to, to to youthful ignorance. Um, I mean, but then again, yeah. who wouldn't take a hookup? Right, right, of course. <laughs> that, that's all. Of course. I, 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 I didn't I, even I, know that was illegal. 
I had a girlfriend who worked at Publix, honestly, and we used to go through the line. I get steaks for like two cents, seriously. So yeah, I mean, it's not. I think all of us would have done that or have done it. Um, I, I, the thing with Peter is, and I, look, Percy Harvin was a fantastic player, like a a a once in a type of generational player. He's not Peter Warwick. I don't care what anyone says. He's not Peter Warwick. Um, he's just a, a he's at a class all all by himself. You start talking about elite players of the last. 20, 30, 40, 50 years, he, he's got to be on. Like if college football ever did like what the NBA did, the best 75 of 75 or something like that, it, it he absolutely would be on that list. Um, so one more thing for you, James. Uh, we, do, you, do you think Pete sometimes is not given the, the due he should be given by Florida State? Do you think he sometimes gets lost in that in that era of, of the late 90s because – it was just one title and the one title that they won. They could have won four, actually. It's amazing, James, though, that four-year run from 95. Actually, when he was a redshirt freshman in 95. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. They were in it. Could have won the championship every single year. Um, do you think he kind of gets lost among all those big names that I mentioned earlier because it wasn't more than one? I think, I guess, I don't really – I can't speak for how – the nation looks at him when it comes in terms of Florida State guys. But I know as far as Seminole Nation, every time he comes home, or you know, I say home for me, I'm from Tallahassee, but every time he comes back to campus, there's not one of us that stands that, that stands higher than him. Um, it doesn't matter who's there. Everybody knows Pete. He still looks the same except for gray in his beard and his hair. <laughs> so, I mean, still has the earrings, still has the smile, still has all of those things. But – you brought up a bigger point. It's like, you know, it's just what makes Bobby, what made Bobby so great. Like if Bobby had the benefit of the BCS or the playoff system, who knows where Florida State would be. Florida State would probably be, be, there probably would be no new resurgence in Bama because of just how, how high those teams were ranked and, and, and those things. But I think the other thing that gets lost is, he was great in college. He was the greatest in college. His pro career probably wasn't as good. And I think the, the, the re, that's what people kind of get lost in. You remember Randy Moss because he'll tell you about Florida State, but you remember Randy Moss more from Minnesota than you do from Marshall unless you're a true college football fanatic. During that time, you remember Corey Simon. You remember Corey Simon more because of what he did with Philly for all of those years. You remember a lot of these other guys for, for, for some of those things and you get lost because they're able to play in the NFL a little bit longer. But I think for Florida State fans, everybody understands who Pete was and what Pete meant it meant to that that wire to wire national championship year. James, this has been fantastic, man. Uh, you can find James. You can see him on TV in Jacksonville. Channel what channel are you on in Jacksonville, James? Um, that's a great question. I know it's First Coast News. I think it's NBC. First Coast News, right, right. First Coast <laughs> News in Jacksonville. You can see, you can listen and watch his his uh, show, uh, the Sports Den, and that's on Facebook, correct? So Facebook, um, Twitter Live, and YouTube at the Sport um, Sports Den Live. Very few people break it down like James Coleman. James, thanks so much, my man. I really appreciate it. I right, appreciate you. That was episode five of season one of Saturday Lives Forever. Check back for future episodes or subscribe to Saturday Lives Forever on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts.